0: This is Community Update
1: on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Good morning, I'm John Hoffman. The peak of COVID cases due to the Delta variant is at least a couple of weeks away, and maybe longer than that. So says St. Joseph County Deputy Health Officer Dr. Mark Fox on WSBT 22's First in the Morning back on Tuesday.
2: How's our hospital capacity going, Uh, children in the hospital, etc.?
3: You know, our number of patients in the hospital has steadily increased over the last six or eight weeks. Uh, we've got 60 ish low 60s in the hospital right now. Nowhere near where we were last year at Thanksgiving, where we had 190. But unfortunately, the health systems, local health systems, also don't have the same staffing capacity. So we couldn't have 190 people in the hospitals right now. So uh, while the numbers aren't Enormous. They certainly are growing. Um, we expect they'll get worse still over the next several weeks. And one of the changes is we have pretty consistently seen one or a small handful of kids in the hospital during this time. Whereas through most of the pandemic, we haven't had... You know, it's been rare that we've had a pediatric hospitalization for Yeah,
2: so so the number of children hospitalized, we we mentioned in one of our stories earlier, it's about 1% of the kids who get COVID end up being hospitalized. We're seeing that pretty much play out here
3: as well? Uh, We've actually been a little bit less than that. Um, But uh, actually, with the Delta variant, it's more like 2.5% of kids will wind up in the hospital. So those numbers are likely to creep up. Okay.
2: Wanted to ask you something about what the Elkhart County Health Officer said that it might be two or three weeks while we continue to see a bit of a surge. Then she gave the impression, maybe I misinterpreted this, that we might start to see a bit of a level off. Do you anticipate the
3: same? Uh, Unfortunately, I don't. I I know that's been the pattern we've seen in the UK and some other places, pretty steep spike and then a, a fairly rapid recovery. I think the variability in in vaccination rates in different pockets is going to make that recovery a little more prolonged. So I think we'll see more of a stuttering recovery is my fear.
2: Uh, The uh, governor last week, governor of Indiana, talked about the the need to quarantine kids if school districts, not just a particular school, but if a school district decides that it will be a mask mandated school district. Versus a mask optional, the need to quarantine isn't there in the case of contact tracing. Do you think that's good advice? You
3: know, that decision is based on some data that came out of North Carolina's return to school plan last spring. Um, and so it was really pre Delta variant. And the news was encouraging there that you could have, you know, normal density classrooms with rigorous masking and there was very low uh, incidence of secondary transmission of people who were exposed becoming infected. That's good news. I'm not sure it applies in the Delta variant, so I think it's an easy out for the schools. It takes a huge administrative burden off the schools. It keeps more kids in the classroom. I'm just not sure the data supports doing it at this point. In so the pandemic. So you are concerned that uh,
2: a lack of a quarantine necessary in a close contact will do nothing but cause the case numbers to potentially potentially go up.
3: Right. I mean, it really is predicated on very rigorous masking. Um, and it was in older kids. it was grade six through twelve where they showed no greater rate of transmission. So younger grades are still gonna be a challenge because masking is more of a challenge in those grades as
2: well. One wanted to ask you about the, uh, the boosters. A um, Couple of weeks from now is when the Biden administration said they were planning to have the general public available for a booster shot. Of course, it still needs uh, FDA and CDC approval. Is there any belief that that will happen and should it happen?
3: I suspect there will be formal approval for a booster sometime this fall relatively soon but I don't wanna take our eye off the ball. Um, It's more important that people who aren't vaccinated get one or or two shots than that you and I get a third shot, honestly. So we will realize more benefit at the community level if someone who's unvaccinated gets a vaccine than if someone who's already had the series gets a booster shot.
2: Knowing that the reality is everyone who is unvaccinated right now, has had the opportunity for months and months to get the shot and have chosen not to. Is it is it a, a viable path to say, let's get everyone who is willing to be vaccinated, even more fully vaccinated through the booster and potentially get
3: to a quote. the herd immunity, to herd immunity. Now that we have a fully approved, FDA approved vaccine, we'll say, you wanna come back to work? Wear a mask, get a vaccine. That will do more to move the needle on the great undecideds, I guess. I want to want to ask you, we're, we're about out of time, but I need to ask you this
2: real quick question. When that time comes, is it beneficial to mix and match? Uh, will I get more of a, a, a benefit from going, say, Pfizer first time, Moderna second time?
3: There does seem to be some benefit with the crossover. Um, so, and certainly no downside to it that's been identified.
1: Dr. Mark Fox on WSBT 22's First in the Morning. A wave of new COVID cases in Indiana is 98% attributed to the Delta variant. This is from the Indiana coronavirus page. These are numbers we haven't seen since January. More than 5,000 cases and 2,000 people have been hospitalized as of last week. And with a growing number of cases, ICUs are nearing capacity. With the surge, doctors are seeing it spread to children, About 17% of coronavirus cases in Indiana right now are age 19 and younger.
4: Right, and I spoke with a pediatrician who says she hasn't had children test positive for coronavirus since March. But two weeks ago, some children in the community started testing positive, and it's concerning to her that Indiana has less than 20% of ICU beds available.
5: 20%, I'm getting to an uncomfortable number. You know, that that to me is... Is uncomfortable because they it gives you like no wiggle room
4: coronavirus cases are rising in the community and in children pediatrician dr noemi adame says that's because the delta variant is more transmissible and people have let their guards down but she says children hospitalized with covid stay in the hospital 10 days which is longer than a normal hospital stay So the bed capacity for children will keep getting lower.
5: That's scary as a parent and as a physician, because if you have a child who has appendicitis, sepsis, pneumonia, they're in a really bad car accident and they need access to those critical care beds. Those beds might not be available because they're used up by a child with COVID.
4: Only 0.1% of coronavirus deaths in Indiana are in people under 18. But children can have lasting effects from coronavirus. Dr. Adame says it could be mood changes and respiratory issues. But she says the worst is multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, which has impacted 105 Hoosier kids.
5: For a parent of a five-year-old to be told, that um, their child needs an echo because they had COVID and now they have um, a constellation of symptoms consistent with MISC and so they have to look for for, uh, heart damage.
4: Dr. Adame says coronavirus is preventable and we have to do what
5: we can to protect the children. It is our responsibility as the adults to do the things that we need to do to keep all children in the community safe, which is... Wear a mask, wash your hands, vaccinate if you're eligible.
4: Doctor Adame also says there's more concerns going into flu season because viruses that have been dormant during the shutdowns are coming back earlier than expected. That could also put additional strain on pediatric ICU
1: beds. WSBT 22's Erica Finke reporting. The American Red Cross is in need of volunteers locally and nationally as relief efforts continue for hurricane ida they want people trained and ready to go for future events it's called compassion to action the virtual training prepares volunteers as quickly as possible
6: the american red cross says fall season is disaster season which means they need volunteers ready to provide immediate relief our volunteers have always been the backbone of our organization events like hurricane ida are sharp reminders that red cross chapters Still need volunteers on standby locally. Not just that we need volunteers that can that can dedicate two
2: weeks to go. We also
6: need people here at home. Volunteers can choose from 500 positions all across the country. Positions range from being out in the field to staying in the comfort of your own home. We have about 45 people right now in process of getting their training done um, that are able to, that will be able to
7: soon deploy out to all these different events.
6: Highly impacted areas may require volunteers to stay longer than two weeks to provide relief, but once they are sent back to their homes, the Red Cross needs more volunteers to send out. That's why it's so important. You know, if
7: you were just to, you know, rely on, you know, the 50 staff that are the Indiana
6: region, there's no way that we could do all the things that we're doing here at home as well as, you know, far away. Local volunteer Sarah Corwin is in Louisiana right now. I spoke with her about what she's experienced since arriving on Saturday. They're just stunned at the devastation here. I mean, homes and trees are down. Uh, it, it is so much worse than I ever expected. Training for a handful of hours, like Sarah, can help hundreds of lives. The more people that we could get down here to help, the faster we can get these people on their feet. The virtual sessions are Tuesdays at 1 and Thursdays at 6 and goes until November fourteenth.
1: WSBT 22's Taylor Gatoni reporting. Local restaurants are struggling to recover from the pandemic, even if they have consistent customers. Finding staff has become a challenge. Labor shortages are hurting owners and employees.
7: I spoke with the owner and a server at Edwardsburg's Maple Cafe who said that quality and service both suffer when a restaurant doesn't have the people it needs to keep up with customers' expectations. From cooks to servers, restaurant workers are in short order. Everybody's too afraid to come to a job and then not have it in a couple of weeks or in a week later. Karina Fernandez is asking her friends to help out. I just do what I can when I can because they need to help and it's not fair to her or the customers. Patricia Yoder says being understaffed adds stress and takes away from the customer experience. It's so hard to give people good service because I'm so busy because there's not other waitresses Instead of having a small amount of tables that you can give good service to, you just rushed all the time. A problem Fernandez said was less of an issue before the pandemic. Before the shutdown, we were fully stuffed and it was working right. But then when the first, second shutdown happened, actually, mostly that one, everybody went to factories because they had something sick here. Having fewer people means customers have to wait longer, if they wait at all. We have a lot of walkouts, a lot of people that just Don't want to wait. They don't want to, you know, just be patient. Fernandez says labor shortages require her to constantly train new people, which makes it hard to consistently provide good food. We're competing, you know, everybody with corporations that are giving incentives to start up to $1,000. I can't afford that. New workers can also take advantage of the pandemic. People know if they don't feel like working, all they have to do is say they have a headache, they have a cold, and they don't have to come in. Patricia Yoder says her best tip for customers is to know that most, if not all, restaurant workers are trying to do their best. So please be kind.
1: WSVT 22's Ronnie Das reporting. An historic house in South Bend is on the market. It was designed and built early in legendary architect Frank Lloyd Wright's career.
8: Two are in South Bend and the KC DeRoads House on West Washington Street is up for sale right now. The five bed, two and a half bath home is $150,000 right now. It's 2,800 square feet and in excellent condition. The home was designed by Frank Lloyd Wright in 1906. It fell into disrepair before it was purchased by Tom and Suzanne Miller in 1978. They lovingly rehabbed the property, bringing it back to what Frank Lloyd Wright's intent was, even finding some of the original furniture designed for the home. The house was built at the very beginning of Wright's prairie-style homes, which meant open spaces, horizontal lines, symmetry, and integration into the landscape.
3: Frank Lloyd Wright was commissioned to build this house in 1905 and it was done in 1906 by the DeRoads family. So Casey DeRoads was uh, getting married and his wife actually knew, uh, was the one that connected with Frank Lloyd Wright out of Chicago to have him come and design and build this home. So he spent time uh, working on this home, designing it. He was here on site building it.
8: Now this house will be difficult to sell now. It needs a buyer who appreciates Frank Lloyd Wright's vision. The home and three pieces of furniture inside are now protected by the Frank Lloyd Wright Building Conservancy. Showings are only being offered to pre-approved or cash buyers.
1: WSBT 22's Kristen Bean reporting. The South Bend Tribune later reported several offers for the home. Views and opinions expressed are those of the individual speaking and do not necessarily reflect the views of WSBT Radio, its staff, or management. Join us next week for Community Update on Sports
0: Radio 960 AM, WSBT.